Hey, what's up? It's Mr. Bill. The track you're listening to right now is the result of a 35-hour tutorial series where I recorded the process of making this song from start to finish and explained myself along the way. If you're interested in learning how to make music or sharpening your craft, go to mrbillstunes.com and check it out. Enjoy the tune. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. sick all right man well yeah thanks for suggesting for yourself to come on the podcast <laughs> yeah sure thing appreciate you having me like i love your podcast love your music and uh the stuff you're making on the your website and stuff so yeah pleasure's all mine sick yeah normally when someone asks me to come on the podcast i'm like uh maybe but probably not but like you mentioned to me well, for starters, you've released music on my label, Beleagle Beats, so I already know you, but um, on top of that, you were like, yeah, I'm a private investigator, and I think that would be interesting to talk about, and I was like, yeah, that probably would be interesting to talk about, so yeah, tell me more about that, like, what, a, what, what does your job entail as a private investigator? Sure, yeah, um, so basically, uh, I do a lot of, like, workers' comp cases, so a lot of, like, fraud. I've been doing it for almost five years now for, like, a company called Photofax, and, um, yeah, mostly my job is just to like, like film people do their daily activities, you know, like, um, pretty common thing I get is just like a setup is called and it'll have like, um, the person's name, date of birth, address, sometimes a photo of them, sometimes not. And then, um, yeah, from there, uh, it'll also have like their injury too. A lot of the times, like if it's a back injury and then it'll have like certain restrictions, like, oh, can't like push or pull over 10 pounds. And, um, these cases will like the settlement sometimes will be like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And like, meanwhile, the person's not actually as injured as they claim to be, or might not even be injured at all. So they'll send someone like me out just to like get film of them. You know what I mean? To like prove that they're, you know, not injured. I think your mic might be clipping a tiny bit. You might want to turn the gain down on it just a little. Okay. Yeah, sure. Is that better? Yeah, that I think that's low? better. No, okay, that's, I cool. think that's, that's fine. So, Wait, so is this legal to just go and like film somebody doing this stuff or is it something within the law that says like once you sub subject yourself to a court case that earns you hundreds of thousands of dollars for being injured or something that then you are subjected to being filmed? Yeah, so it's it's legal like um I'm just legal uh, like I could just go film people. Yeah, I, I believe you could in like a public space, like if you're a photographer, you're allowed to take pictures of people. But uh, there's certain like limits to it. Like if someone's like, you know, you can see them through their window, like that's not legal. I can't film that. Like it has to be like they have to like step out of their doorway. But um, yeah, so that's yeah, it's a, a legal thing to do. Um, I do like get the cops called on me, you know, and like it's obviously pretty suspicious. Like to the cops at first, if they don't know what I'm doing, they're like, oh, like, are you following this person around? Like kind of gets like, you know, it's illegal to like stalk someone, right? Like you can't just like follow someone for no purpose. You know what I mean? Because that's just considered stalking. But if it's uh, 
if it's for my like work, then it's allowed. Huh. So what are the conversations like when you talk to police? You just explain to them what you're doing and they just leave you alone or? Yeah, usually they're pretty chill about it. Like, um, you're, you're supposed to like call and check in. Like when I get to a case, like I'm supposed to like call the local police and be like, Hey, I'm working like a case. Like, uh, I'm parked right here in this van with this model make, you know, license plate number. So they like know at ahead of time. But, uh, to be honest, I don't do that like every time. Cause most of the time, like it's kind of inconspicuous. Like no one like calls the police on me if I'm doing a good job usually. So, uh, but when the cops do get called, it's usually pretty chill. Except there was one time where I was, like, following a high school football coach. And, like, he went to a high school, like, you know, to, like, coach football. And I was, like, filming him, like, in the parking lot at this, like, high school. And, like, one of the parents, like, saw my camera through the van and called the cops on me. And, like, that cop was, like, very not chill at first because he thought I was, like, you know, some fucking creepy guy or something. Like a pedo or something. Yeah, exactly. So they, like, pulled me out of the van, like, put me in the back of the cop car, and, like, he's, like, searching the van, and I'm talking to the other cop, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm a private investigator, like, uh, and, like, one of the cops had, like, applied to Photofax, the guy I was talking to, he was, like, knew the company, he's like, oh, and, like, he started being chilled to me then, but, yeah, at first, he was just like, this doesn't look good, like, you know what I mean, like, I'm like, yeah, dude, I know, you can look at the film, I'm just filming the football coach, like, yeah. So what kind of camera do you use? To, is it just your phone or do you use like an actual specific camera to do it? Or Yeah, I have it right here, actually. I have two cameras. I have this one, just like, it's pretty basic, like, it's like a Panasonic. I have a tripod too, like I keep in the van. Um, but yeah, this is also a covert camera. So uh, huh, yeah, there's a lens right there. Oh, well, yeah, you this just is leave for- that on your dash or something like that. Oh, this is for, like, when they go, like, shopping. They go into stores. I just, like, go in with them, and I put this on the shopping cart, and it connects to, like, an app on my phone so I can, like, see what it's filming. Oh, uh, and you just kind of, like, follow them around with the shopping cart or whatever? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so sus. <laughs> it's sus. I, in my mind, I'm just, like, oh, I'm just shopping. Like, you try, like, I use, like, my peripherals. Like, like the way to not be sus is to, like, just don't act sus. It's, if it sound, sounds kind of weird yeah, yeah. to say... But yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, I feel like sus is like a it's a state of mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Like, and sometimes like when I'm looking for someone in a store, like they're in a Walmart or they're like at a swap meet somewhere, it's a ton of people. I definitely feel sus because I look around and like everyone's doing something. Like they're all looking at their phones. They're all looking like to shop, you know. And I'm like the one person that's like looking at all the people. You know mm. what I mean? So I feel I definitely feel more sus in those kind of situations. Mm, yeah, it makes sense. And how how did you get this job? Like, what made you want to apply to it in the first place? And what gave you the idea to apply for it and stuff like that? Yeah, so I studied, like, criminal justice. I got, like, a degree. Um, that was what I studied in college. And I didn't want to, like, go be a cop. Like, I originally did. Like, I wanted to go do, like, ATF. And then I went to, like, Europe and went to the club, uh, I think it's Moog. And just, like, it was, like, a techno. Like, they were playing techno. And I just got, like, obsessed with electronic music and I was like oh fuck being a cop like and then I just wanted to go to the <laughs> private sector <laughs> yeah and like I just found this job on like some job board and applied it's like my first job out of college yeah I feel like the electronic music scene is kind of the antithesis to criminal justice it it's is. like it's the exact opposite of not the exact opposite I mean like it's not violent and stuff but it's like doing all of the things that a human in my opinion should have the right to do 
uh, and most of it in like on the surface it's legal, but like when you get right into the scene, it's mostly not legal. You know, there's a lot of drug use. There's a lot of uh, underhanded cash. There's a lot of people coming into the country playing shows without visas, like all sorts of shit like that. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, a lot of those stuffs like shouldn't even be crimes. In my opinion, you know. So I definitely uh, some some of them I understand. Like I mean, I understand uh, like people not wanting immigrants to come in and take Americans' jobs. But I mean, if you're like a like a DJ and you're coming in to play a show and you have your fans here and all of that kind of stuff, that, that's a little different. I think just because it's like you're not really taking an American DJ's job at that point if you're the one who's like bringing the people to come see you anyway. It's like the I don't feel like anyone like new coming into the electronic music scene is taking anything away from anybody else. I think the the more that you invest into the electronic music scene, the more interest you create around it, hopefully. And then the more people that just get into electronic music as a whole, and it's good for everyone inside electronic music. It's like the only reason I have a job or anyone has a job in electronic music right now is just because there's a shitload of people who have gotten into it and it's built the scene up big enough to the point where like now 100,000 DJs can have a job doing this full time, you know? Yeah, no, that's definitely true. It's like that. Uh, it's like the statement, like rising tide raises all ships. It's like Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And like, yeah, that's another thing. Um, you're very open with like teaching, you know what I mean? I think that's like something that is more common now because um, because of that mindset, right? Where it's like, oh, like might as well teach people. Like more people doing it is good for us, like raises the bar of like the, the quality of the music that's released and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm definitely grateful to be like around in this time of electronic music where it's like, yeah, I was able to, like, learn from people that were, like, really good already, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it was more the other way around. It was that mindset which made electronic music get really big because, like, uh, before that, electronic music was not very big and I don't think it had anything to do with the amount of people. Like, there was still a shitload of people on the planet and it had nothing to do with the music. The electronic music was there and it was already good. Um, I think what happened was those, yeah, that at some point there was this shift where like it, a lot of it sort of just like open sourced itself, especially through YouTube where people were just like putting information on there. The software became easily uh, obtainable through like illegal torrent sites for people who had no money. The companies were giving away free trials to everything anyway. So like the, the barrier to entry just got like lifted basically. And then all of a sudden you got these people, like everyone's got a computer these days thanks to like just I don't know technology in general I suppose but like the need for it almost now for with social media and how everything is just online so now you got like everyone who has these devices it's basically like everyone owns a guitar and then all of a sudden you have all of the information to make this device do whatever you want so it's like all of a sudden you can get into anything you want you can get into programming you can get into making music you can get into whatever and yeah I think just a combination of those things uh, coupled with the fact that a bunch of people uh, around the like mid 2000s, late 2000s were just like, uh, sorry, late 2010s were just like, yeah, fuck it, let's just like put put all the information online, and you now all of a sudden you've got this like bustling industry ten years later. Yeah, totally. Like, I definitely agree with that. I feel like 
maybe like the live aspect of it too like the shows probably improved around that time or like at least that's what it took for me to like get into it like because i had heard skrillex and now like when i heard like scary monsters and nice sprites or spears or whatever i was like oh uh this is like interesting but it didn't it didn't become like an obsession like when i experienced it live because like when i first experienced it live is when it like really like i was like oh i have to figure out how to do this you know so i don't know if other people had that same i still kind of hold that belief that like um the context is super important like it it like like live helps a lot and then also like the energy of the people there you know what i mean matters a lot like if people are like in a good mood and they're dancing and stuff it kind of like like makes the music almost like uh be perceived as better you know what i mean versus like if like people are more just like chilling and you're just like i don't know <laughs> it's kind of some random thoughts i had yeah definitely i mean so if you just remove the music from that completely and you're just standing in a room full of people and one of those rooms full of people that you're standing in there's no speakers there's no music nothing one of those rooms you're in uh the lights are turned on everyone's just sort of standing around like looking at their phone or like maybe talking quietly amongst themselves that's one situation and then another situation still no music the lights are turned off and everyone's running around fucking being insane and like you know, having a great time and yelling and like jumping around like that just those two situations without even any music involved is completely different. Mm -hmm. One of them is much more exciting than the other, obviously. One of them is like very sterile and feels like you can't sort of jump around and be crazy and do whatever the fuck because like everyone else is being quiet and everyone else is like talking amongst themselves and there's light on so like your uh, insecurities are there and stuff. And the other one is like dark, so your insecurities are like lowered. Uh, plus everyone's doing crazy shit anyway, so you can feel like you can also do crazy shit. And then when you add music into that experience, obviously it, like, adds a whole other dimension there as well. Yeah, totally. That, like, that, like, sums up my view on, like, partying, kind of. Because, like, in college, at, like, college parties, I always felt, like, super uncomfortable. Like, I just feel like, I don't know, like, uh, kind of more introverted person. And, like, um, if everyone's kind of just, like, super normal like just chatting like uh, people are, like drinking and like being a little rowdy but like you're not seeing like a dude in like a manatee outfit like dancing to like some like crazy techno or something like that like and then when i went and like experienced electronic music it was just like so much weird shit and so much like freeness that it like kind of made me feel more comfortable you know what i mean i feel like that kind of like added to the the whole uh, experience of it and like the whole like magic of the of it you know yeah it definitely does um let's go back to private investigating i'm curious like what your main strats are like other than sitting in a van like i assume you just park your van outside someone's house and then like do you have your camera like just looking out of your like front windscreen or your driver's windscreen or are you sort of like sitting in the back of the van you have like a peephole or something yeah, so, like, the van, it's, like, a Dodge Grand Caravan. It has, like, no seats in the back, so it's just all, like, empty floor space. And I have, like, an inverter back there. So I have, like, uh, my camera on a tripod connected to, like, a monitor. So I can, like, uh, usually you want to look at the door because if you, like, look at the, like, if you're just, like, put your camera on the person's car, like, they could, you know, leave and go in, like, an Uber or whatever, like, some other way. And uh, how you, like, arrive at the residence and how you position is, like, some of the most important things that you can like do for like the case, the success of the case. Like 
if you're like super sus on arrival, you know, like pull your car into their driveway at like 530 in the morning with the headlights on to like get their license plates, like, yeah, they're going to, someone's going to fucking call the cops on you. Like you're just being sus. So like how you arrive is like pretty important and like where you position. Um, and like the better the investigator, probably like the more clever the position they'll choose. You know, you don't want to like be somewhere, um, where they're just going to like walk out their front door and then just like your van's like right there. You know, you want to be like, like kind of like blending in as far away as you can with still like uh, visibility on the door. At, generally, sometimes you can't get that like uh rural cases, you know, like sometimes all you can do is watch like the route of departure. And mm. um, yeah, right. If like there's nothing like on this giant property, like anything on that's going to look sus. Yeah, yeah. Those cases are the worst, honestly. I much prefer working in, like, a city where you just blend in and, like, you can tail people, like, be right behind them in traffic and it's not, like, odd. But, yeah, the more rural it is, like, yeah, the more cautious you have to be and the farther away you want to position. But, yeah, um, I guess some of, like, there's tons of different strategies. Like, the cases are all different. So, like, um, one of the things that I do you might find interesting is, like, we don't always know that, like, the claimant lives there. We'll have, like, an address on file, but we, like, you know, if we haven't seen them in a day and we're not, like, so sure about this address, like, we have other addresses, we'll, like, knock on their door with, like, a, a pretext is what it is called. And, like, it's, like, a different story that we, we make. We make up stories to, like, you know, get information, basically. And, uh, yeah, the one that is, like, the most common that I do is, like, I just have a dog leash with me and I'll knock on the door and be, like, oh, have you seen, like, a Labrador, like, poking around here? Like, someone said my dog was, like, in your yard, like, earlier, you know, and, like, that one's okay because, like, we'll get, like, you know, we'll find out if someone's, like, home, you know. But uh, to really be sure, we'll, we have, a, like, this fake package delivery one that, like, I hate doing it because it's so sketch. Like, I have, like, this uh, <laughs> this uniform that I put on, and I basically, like, deliver a package, like, and I go, I use their name. And I'm like, oh, is, is uh, John Smith here? He needs to sign a package. And, like, they're like, what? I didn't order a package. I'm like oh, like, it's a marketing company. Like, someone signed you up probably at a mall. Like, we send, like, free, like, products. And in the package, I'll have, like, I'll, I'll look for, like, products that say, like, you know, new flavor, new scent. Like, it'll be, like, uh, some, like, travel size shampoo that's, like, new fucking whatever. You know, and it'll be, like, oh, we're just, like, testing this product. And uh, in, like, a couple days, someone's going to, like, uh, email you or call you and, like, ask you what you thought of the product. And, like, it's pretty sketch. Like if you, but that's also it. sus, though, right? Like if my if someone came to deliver me a product in like a uniform, like a UPS uniform or a USPS uniform, and they're telling me that they know what's inside that package, I'd be like, why? How do you know what is it? Like you shouldn't know what's inside that package. Yeah, no, it's sus. This is why I hate doing this one. But uh, it's not like a UPS uniform. It's like a, a fake marketing company. So I'm like claiming oh, okay. to like be part of the marketing company. But yeah, it's like I don't have a delivery vehicle. Like I'll park my vehicle like around the corner and i'll carry like other like packages with me so that it looks like i'm kind of doing it on foot but yeah it's it's that's the worst one and, and uh my boss doesn't make me do that one like barely ever because if you like look up the company name like it's one of the first things that pops up on like reddit is like oh this is like a private investigator like it's some like <laughs> yeah dude some like uh like disgruntled ex-employee like blew it up and like yeah just was like blew up the game <laughs> but yeah you could just like, like uh, change i really don't like to company, do that right? I, I did that one time and uh 
I had done like a walk by the day before at this house and like did this package delivery. The claimant didn't answer, but it was in like kind of a sketch neighborhood. And like one of his neighbors was kind of just like a sketch dude. And like he had seen me the day before, like not in a delivery outfit, like poking around, like trying to like, you know, see if anyone's home, like getting the license plate numbers and shit. And like uh, he like follows me back to my van, like after I do this package delivery and he's like, what are you doing here? Like, I saw you here yesterday, like, you know, walking around, like, what, like, why are you now like delivering something? I'm like, I was just like, I kind of froze and I just stuck to my story. I was like, I'm uh, delivering a package, man. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't here yesterday. And like, it just kind of kept like escalating. And I was like, dude, look, like if you want to call the cops, like go for it. But I'm like dipping. And like, he like kicked my van as I was like pulling out. And like, it was just a, a sketch situation. I called my boss and I'm just like, yeah, like I'm not going back to the street right now. Like this guy is, and I had to work this case later too. And the guy like came to my van, of course, cause this dude just like chilled in his front yard, like all day. And like, he came into my van, like a few days later when I worked it again and like was trying to look inside it. And I had all the curtains closed and shit. And I'm like hiding and he like is walking away and I like open one curtain and I like peer out and he turns back and I close the curtain and he like comes back again. And like, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like tripping out. I was like, yeah, he eventually left, but yeah, that was definitely one of the worst interactions with just some random name. It's always like a neighbor. That's like the worst. Yeah. Some people like that. Eh? They just like chill a lot like outside like I've got my next door neighbor actually is like that. He's just always working on his front lawn for whatever reason. I mean, like, I feel like at some point, like, I, I, I kind of get it. Like, after buying a house last year, like, I understand the lawn thing. You're like, yeah, I want my house to have a nice lawn so it looks good and has, like, the curbside appeal and shit. But, like, also I'm torn with that because I'm, like, very much don't really give a shit to waste a shitload of water on just grass which doesn't mm -hmm. do anything you know <laughs> like yeah I, f I feel it yeah but anyway so my neighbor does this shit all the time i, yeah, I understand this <laughs> yeah, but yeah um so like when you're working these cases do you work them with your boss or do you are you just alone most of the time i'm alone but i'm, I'm always like updating my boss i'm supposed to update him like after four hours and um at the end of the day so yeah, it's kind of like a job where you have to, like, manage yourself. And, like, most of the decisions I make are just, like, by myself. Like, that have to be made quickly, you know? Like, if mm -hmm. someone's suspicious, like, to make the decision not to, like, follow them or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I'm, like, communicating with him. He's, like, a really experienced investigator. He did it for, like, 10 years before he became, like, a manager. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And is the car that you use, like, is it your car or is it a company car? It's a company car. Yeah, they provided all the equipment, like the training and stuff, which like is pretty sick because like other companies don't do that. So yeah, if anyone listening just happens to do criminal justice, study that. Like, I would definitely recommend applying to Photofax. It's been chill. Mm. Yeah, I feel like uh, you probably don't want to use your own car either because if somebody like that guy, you know, gets mega sus on you or whatever, and then eventually like gets some sort of vendetta and wants to come and find your car and stuff, then he'll end up at your house and not the company. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they, like, get a picture of the license plate, they could, like, pay to run it or whatever. And then, yeah, I've had people follow me, like, attempt to, like, get behind me and follow me. And I usually just start heading home. Like, if they're going to follow me, like, an hour on the freeway, like, go for it. Like, if they really <laughs> did, like, they usually just stop. They've never, like, actually followed me, like, that long. But, uh, mm. yeah, I've heard, like, other sketch stories of people at my company. Like, uh, I guess one guy, like... This one homie I have who works here, he, like, 
got made or whatever, like, they figured out he was, like, you know, following them. And, like, they got behind him. And, at, like, every red light, like, someone was getting out of the claimant's car, like, trying to open, like, uh, my coworker's door, which was, like, locked, like, <laughs> as he's, like, sitting in it. And he, like, drove to the police station because, like, I guess the dudes that he was, that was, the case he was working, like, these people were kind of sketched, too. But, uh, yeah, I've heard, like, another dude got, like, a gun pulled on him because they didn't know, like, that it's, like, a PI following him. He thought it was just some guy. You know. So how many of these cases will you work a week generally? Like just one and you'll stay on the one for like a month or is it like a new one every day or a new one every week or what? How, like what's the frequency of the difference of cases? Uh, it's usually like probably on average two a week. This week I'm doing like three and I'm doing like a drone deployment also. So it's like a busy week, but... <clears throat> Wait, what is a drone deployment? It's just like a... Uh, like a van or an SUV or a truck at, um, has like a camera in it that's like re uh, controlled remotely and we just park it like at their house and uh, yeah we'll just film them over the course of like three days at their house and like document when they leave and go and if they do any yard work but yeah it has like uh, six car batteries in the back like powering the camera and uh, yeah the camera's just operating The remotely. camera's on a drone like a flyable drone you mean? No no it's like a car we just call it like a drone it's like Oh, so you just park the car and you leave it there and you just leave. Yeah, uh, exactly. See, see. And it's controlled right. but, uh, at the at the office, like someone's monitoring it. Hmm. This shit seems like it should be so illegal. <laughs> it's fucking wild that that's not illegal. Like the fact that someone could just park a car out the front of my house. Is it different state to state or is this just federal? Uh, it's different state to state. Like I'm in California, so like... Which yeah, is I honestly, think... like, in my opinion, probably one of the states that would have, like, the strictest laws on something like this, don't you think? Or Yeah, they do. Like, you to get your, like, own PI card here, you have to do, like, 10,000 hours of PI work, like, for a company, which, like, I've done that now being here for, like, like four years, you know? But uh, in other states, like Arizona, you just, like, pay a thing. You just pay a fee and you get your license. And, like, Nevada, too, you just, like, pay a, uh, pay a fee. Other states, there's, like, a test that you have to take. Yeah, it differs state to state to answer your question. But yeah, California is pretty strict. Is it different from county to county also? It's just the state rule, basically. Like, would uh, yeah, it be just, different in, say, like LA versus San Francisco or something? No, no, it's just like by state. <clears throat> yeah, that's wild. It's crazy that it's just illegal to. So, wait, which city are you closest to then? I'm in like Antioch. So, I'm in like the Bay Area. So Okay, cool. Yeah, that's where I was living for a while. Uh, during the pandemic as well as like right in SF. But yeah, it's yeah. wild that like just there it's legal to just park up front of someone's house and just <laughs> keep tabs on them and shit. Yeah, yeah. It definitely is like So like mean, what um so I, I'm assuming like in your time you've like caught a few people out who've been lying to get like compensation insurance or something like that. What yeah. has been like the the biggest um like thing that you've uncovered? Uh, in your four years of doing this? Biggest thing I've uncovered? Um, mostly just fraud, because it's, like, just workers' compensation, but, like, there's really clear examples of fraud sometimes. Like, um, this one lady, she, like, was claiming, like, dizziness and, like, bas like basically, like, being, like, very... Uh, she was, like, s claiming, s like, super disabled, you know, but she lived on a boat, and I ended up following... Uh, like following her and shit and like she went on a paddleboard and was like doing yoga on a paddleboard like doing a bunch of shit like boating wise and like 
Yeah, that was a pretty good case. I had like the the client like personally email me and be like, "Thank you, like you did a good job on this." And then um, yeah, another it sound like if you were experiencing dizziness that you would go and do yoga on a paddle board. Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, she seemed kind of chill. I felt kind of bad because like she, she like went to the beach and was like playing like a flute afterwards. Like I was like, she seems kind of chill, but yeah, she was like <laughs> definitely like committing fraud. But um, this other case I worked today actually. Um, this guy also is like supposed to be completely like unable to work, but he's like working under the table as a mover. So he's like, you know, carrying like dressers and cabinets and all this shit. And he's like not supposed to be working at all because of his injury. So it's like another pretty clear example of like fraud that I've got. Um, Hmm. but is he being paid well to not do that? Or is he doing this out of desperation because he needs the money or something? You know, I, I'm not sure. Like, they don't tell us, like, the settlement amounts, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but they yeah. They just want to know if there's any fraud at all. Yeah, yeah. But, I'm a, but I, I, just, I assume, like, if they're getting you to do it, then it's, like, a like a worthwhile amount to hire a private investigator for, right? Or, yeah. I don't know, but though, because sometimes these fucking firms and <clears throat> clients and whoever is suing who or whatever the fuck probably just have a shitload of money and like to fuck with people as well, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could I could see it, but I'd say like probably about 75 to 80% of the people that I follow like I don't think are like as injured as they are claiming to be. Cuz like um in order for it to like get to me, it has to be like reviewed by like other people before where they're like you know, this like this kind of fraud is like super uh played out you know like people people that um are like SIUs, they like know what to look for, you know what I mean? What, if someone has like SIU uh, special investigative, uh, special investigative unit. So okay. yeah, those are like the people that I believe I could be wrong here. Cause this is like more of the back end stuff. And I just do like, um, the field work, but yeah, from my understanding is like, they like review like claims, you know, and are like, this one's suspicious. Let's like send a PI to that one, you know? So it's like, yeah. So most of the time when they're sending me, like they're already have like pretty good reason to be suspicious you know like if someone has like 10 different workers comp claims with different companies you know that's like a pretty obvious red flag like financial distress is another thing too that they look for like people who might be like motivated to commit fraud because of like financial reasons like you pointed out you know things like that um those people i feel like we should be a little more lenient on and maybe not send private investigators to their houses though you know someone's in financial distress i mean stealing's always wrong too but like at the same time, it's like, uh, I've never like committed insurance fraud or anything, but I've thought about it. (laughs) (laughs) I've been like, uh, and I haven't thought about it in a long time, but it's something that I thought about when I was like 18. I was like, wait, like when I first found out about how insurance works, it's like the first idea that popped into my brain was some mob shit. I was like, oh, I could do (laughs) this and then I could just burn it. And then (laughs) I think it's the first thing everyone thinks of when they first discover insurance and like its concept and like what it is that that it does. And you're like, wait, you're saying I could just like destroy my own shit and technically I could get a big payment. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I like withhold judgment. I try to withhold judgment from people, you know, like I definitely like sometimes feel kind of bad. Like if I'm fucking up someone's like income, you know, like I don't feel good about that. Um, but yeah, if I, if they are being truthful, though, then like me following them actually helps their case, you know, because like I've, right. I worked a case like last week that uh, I've worked at like 
the previous year, the guy's like obviously injured. He's a walker like everywhere. You know what I mean? I never saw him not use the walker. So like I just mm. filmed that and like tell my boss, I'm like, yeah, he's like using his walker. He seems pretty injured, you know? And I definitely agree that like people that, um, you know, get hurt, like doing construction, things like that. Like, yeah, like they deserve to be compensated and, you know, so. Yeah, that yeah. is a good point that if they're actually telling the truth and being honest, that they should be compensated and that you following them proves that they are and still a little bit of a intrusion of privacy but yeah uh, yeah yeah it's the law fuck it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and i mean at the end of the day it's a job if you're not going to do it somebody else will do it yeah exactly yeah and i usually like it doesn't really affect people because they don't know that i'm even there you know and like yeah people that like know i'm there are usually the ones that are like you know, talking to attorneys and they're the ones like committing fraud. And like to those people, I'm just like, yeah, like you have to look over your shoulder for like fucking as long as you're going to do this type of shit, you should be like looking out for PIs because you know you're lying. You know what I mean? So it's like. So what would be like, and I know you're not supposed to probably give this advice, but you're also probably not supposed to talk about a lot of this shit. (laughs) Um, What would your advice be to somebody who is committing fraud? And for them to get away with it, like, what are the things that they should look out for to get away with it? Oh, like, if, like, to look out for PIs? Yeah, so let's say I, like, hurt myself or whatever, and I have insurance for, I I actually do have insurance for being an, uh, I I can't remember what kind of insurance, there's an insurance that you get when you tour, and if someone gets hurt at your show or whatever, it's covered. Mm -hmm. So, like, let's say for some fucking reason, I figured out a loophole to, like, uh, get some money out of my insurance for that or something like that. What are the signs that I should be looking out for to uh, to try and, like, not get caught by a PI? Okay. <laughs> this is kind of a fun question. Uh, I would definitely say don't, like, break your restrictions outside of your house, for one. Like, if you say you can't, like, lift 10 pounds, like, you Just know, definitely don't... definitely don't do that outside the house. Yeah, don't do that outside the house. Like, so, um, so if I did do that inside the house, like let's say I went to my front window and I was just doing a workout like with 50-pound dumbbells like at my front window, you know, like and you could see in and you could video it. Is that evidence even usable in court or not because it's an intrusion of privacy or it's an obstruction of justice or something like that? Yeah, it's not. Like I couldn't film that or use it. I would tell my boss and they'd probably order more surveillance because they'd be like, oh, like... Mm. Yeah, like this guy's definitely... So you definitely... can use that information to some degree. It's not yeah. like you, you just can't be like, oh, didn't see that. Yeah, like what happened? I didn't see anything. Yeah, I can't do... I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I would be like, yeah, we're going to get this guy. Just we have to wait for him to do something outside his house, you mm. know? But there's other things too, like um, to tell if people are tailing you, just like do weird shit while driving, like pull over on the side of the road for a second, like lo- leave your neighborhood, loop back around. Like that's that fucks with investigators, things like that. Um, look out for... You know, seeing the same vehicles, like vans especially, you know. I hate to be just giving away this sauce like this, but I hope that people listening <laughs> definitely don't. I'm sure, like, yeah. no one listening to this is committing fraud is the thing. I get so each episode of this gets, like, a maximum of, like, 5,000 listens, and most of the people are just musicians like us. You yeah. Know, they just make beats and shit. So I, I highly doubt that anyone listening is, like, in the middle of committing some sort of insurance fraud. But who the fuck yeah. is? You know, maybe there is, I don't know. Yeah, I would def- the main advice would be like don't do it because like 
like they're tenacious like when it's like big settlement amounts like they won't just like do it one time like i've worked same cases for like years you know what i mean and like uh, if you realize it's a van they'll send like rental people in rental cars like they don't mm. just like give up easily i would say um and like what the, is like the smallest amount of i know mean, you don't really know settlement amounts but if you had to assume what is the smallest amount of money that someone would be compensated for for somebody like you to be sent out to check that they weren't doing anything sus this is this is just fully like a guess because i i know my company charges like 800 a day so it have to be at least like five grand i'd imagine to be like worth ordering multiple days you know sometimes they'll do just mm -hmm. a day to see the activity level but like even then i couldn't imagine they'd spend 800 dollars, you know to have like an investigator there for like you know even five grand it's like usually these uh yeah settlements are coming from like pretty large companies right yeah, yeah. I'm imagining they just pay that or settle, you know, settle with them. That's probably what happens most of the time is they, like, settle. But, yeah, I'd imagine it's a large amount. Like, I'm not – I've questioned this a lot, too, because, like, you know, workers' compensation is, like, only, what, like, 70% of your income. Like, I don't understand how, like, it's, like, financially, like, worth it. You know what I mean? Wait, 70% of your income, like – for the amount of time you're off so let's say you're off for like six months and you earn like 100 grand a year you would just get like 70 like 35 grand basically if you wouldn't it be 70 grand 70 percent well you only took six months off and you went oh yeah, yeah yeah sorry yeah. i was so okay <laughs> so if, if you earn 70 grand a year you take one year off uh sorry you earn 100 grand a year you take a year off you would be paid 70 grand for that year to take that year off yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. That's that's why I think workers' comp is, but like the people I'm telling usually aren't making like a hundred grand. Like you know, they're people like, like I guess some people. I I tail a lot of um, what is it? Uh, truck drivers. You know, people drive semi trucks. Get they get accidents. paid pretty well, right? Yeah, I think they do. I, I'm pretty sure they make like over a hundred grand. Like, yeah, I think so. That job yeah, honestly seems like not like super chill, but it's something I considered doing when I was younger. So when I first got my license, I was like, man, driving's not that bad. And I actually delivered pizzas for a while because <clears throat> I could just like chill in my car and listen to music and shit. And I didn't mind it at all. Um, yeah. And I considered becoming a truck driver for a while and then somehow just fell into this stupid ass job. No, dude, you have the sickest job ever, man. <laughs> I, I was like wondering that, like I, I had a question, like I'd like thought about it. I was like, did you always know you're going to be like an electronic artist? Because I feel like when you were kind of coming up, it was like... Um, even more of like a rare thing you know to like make it in this industry yeah so i i was always into music like i was playing a lot of guitar and stuff when i was a teenager and then my parents got garage band on one of those old imacs and i was just like playing my guitar into the imac and just like layering it and shit like that and i just got like kind of interested in that sort of technology i was like this is fun you know like just being able to layer shit and cut shit up in any way this is cool and then so I went to do this thing at a course um, in Australia. We have like two sorts of universities. We have like actual university and then we have this sort of like, I guess it would be similar to community college. Maybe it's called TAFE. Um, I don't know what it stands for, but T-A-F-E is what it's, what it's called. And I think it's an acronym for something. And you can go there and do like sort of more basic courses that are cheaper. So I went there and did some course where they taught like digital performer which is motus daw and uh some other shit and i learned some stuff there and i was like all right this is pretty cool and took a bunch of years off after that and then got into psytrance and uh started going to psytrance parties a lot which in, in australia are called doofs 
And then my buddy Frosty showed me Ableton, who was the one who got me into Psytrance. And then I was like, I want to learn how to make Psytrance. Like maybe the, basically the same experience that you have with techno. I just had it with Psytrance. I was like, I want to learn how to make this. So I like got super into it, started like hanging out with a bunch of people who went to those parties who were producing it and then like got into it that way. Started playing like some some of these doofs and some of these like Psytrance parties in Sydney. And then I was like, all right, I want to get like really serious about this. So I went to college and got an audio engineering degree at SAE in Sydney. And through that time is when I started my website. It's when I released my first couple of albums. It's when I like started putting videos on YouTube like I did all of that through college basically and then by the time I hit the end of college I was sort of just like just doing it and like started getting bookings in other places and yeah it kind of all just like fell into place after after college because I was just doing that shit like all day every day it's like all I was thinking about because I was at college doing it mm-hmm. so when I got home the thing that I wanted to do was the thing that I had to do for college anyway so I don't know yeah it just all sort of worked out which was cool so the truck driver thing never happened. <laughs> now, like, yeah. It's just a thing that I thought about for a minute because I was like, oh, driving a truck, it didn't seem like it'd be too bad. But now these days I would fucking hate it. Like These days I drive for like two hours and I get tired and I'm like, I want to pull over and have a nap. Like Driving just tires me out these days for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. It's like hypnotizing when you're driving. But Yeah, exactly. It's fun for like 30 minutes or like 40 minutes. And then it, like once you hit highways and there's no turning or anything it's just like sit there and look at a road yeah i get i get tired like instantly same man i'm always like on my way homes especially from work i just like i'm like getting energy drinks at like 4 p.m because i'm like falling asleep on the drive home yeah i totally feel that but that's like a perfect seems like a perfect situation just kind of fell into place you know for you and like this career that you're in right now so yeah, yeah, I mean, I kind dope. of had the mindset, too, while I was doing it, that, like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I was investing, like, 40 grand to go to university. So I was like, there's no way I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do something related to this. And, like, whether that's mixing or mastering or sound design for films or games or whatever, like, I was just – or education, like I have been doing. Like, it was going to be something. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I was just thinking about it a lot during university. Like, how can I make money doing this? What do people need? What can I do? All this stuff. So basically, I was just like learning shit at, you know, like the first tutorial I ever did that I put on YouTube was how to work out delay times in milliseconds based on knowing the BPM, where you just take the BPM times it by 60 and divide it by, I can't even remember the formula, but I learned that formula at university and I was like, that's interesting. Went home and like instantly applied it to Ableton Delay and made a tutorial about it. And I was like, this is how you do this. And people were like, whoa, that's cool. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know about that formula. And I was like, neither did I until earlier today. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I just like kind of started making those, like just learning shit at school and then taking it home and just telling people about it on the internet, which is kind of interesting that I was like taking the nuggets out of this like $40,000 course and then just like going and putting them on YouTube. Which I don't know, like, what the law is on that. I'm sure it's, like, open. At this point, you could have learned that information anywhere, really, so I don't think it really matters. But, but yeah, that's how I got into it anyway. Um, okay. So, so like, your general day, do you work every day or just Monday to Friday or what, what's... Uh, I usually get my schedule, like, you know, it could be, like, the day before, as long as they tell me, like, by 6 p.m., you know? So, like, they could tell me by 6 that I'm working tomorrow. So the schedule's kind of, like unpredictable you know i usually have like mondays and tuesdays off and like 
yeah, I pretty much work like every weekend. And then um, I get like four days a month that I get to like pick off, you know, like just like, oh, like they're called like golden days or whatever. Um, it's kind of cool for like shows, you know, so if I get a booking, I can like play the show and then, yeah, so. So you, you told me you got off work today like a couple hours ago. So you got off work at 10 a.m., right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started so, at like 5.30. Oh, shit. Uh, and is that like pretty normal to work like those hours because that's when people are like least expecting it or something? Yeah, this guy's like a mover and he like his schedule is kind of unique. Like he leaves work like like at 6, you know. So like you need to start by like 5.30 to catch him leaving. Uh, mm. Standard time is like 6.30 to 2.30 on weekdays and then 7 to 3 on weekends. If you, like, start after that, you run the risk of them, like, leaving, you know? That makes sense. And then you don't know where they went. Yeah, exactly. And you're fucked, So you, it? you had to, like, follow this guy to work and stuff then? Yeah, I did. Today didn't really go so well. I, like, lost him. So, like, it was a two-man. Dude, he's hard to tail. Like, he, he leaves and he, uh, he leaves at, like, six. And he gets in, like, different like a different car each time. He's, mm-hmm. like, carpooling. And then he, it's, like, rush hour traffic, and he gets on the freeway, and he doesn't just, like, drive a short distance. He drives, like, an hour and a half to different places. Like, we don't know where he goes. Like, we got him uh, all the way to, like, two houses, like, last week. But, uh, yeah, today we lost him, like, on, like, a freeway. He, like, got off the freeway and then, like, just immediately got back on going the opposite direction. We kind of think he might be a little suspicious because he did some sus shit last time, too. Maybe like, he just missed a turn. Maybe he yeah. missed his exit. Yeah, exactly. But it's like... Last time, too, he kind of did some such shit. Like, he pulled over on the side of the road uh, one time and then, like, a few minutes later stopped on, like, a residential road for, like, a minute or two and then just, like, took off again. Like, he's either sussed, like, suspicious of us or he was, like, lost. And, like, he was yeah, kind of acting... he just gets lost all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm... Yeah, there's definitely times where I get paranoid. I'm, like, I tell my boss, I'm, like, oh, this guy's suspicious. And then, like, later look at the film, I'm, like, oh, maybe he's not suspicious, you know? But, yeah... So, like you said, sus is just a state of mind. Yeah, it is just a state of mind, exactly. It's like, I say the same thing about glitch, dude. Like, glitching stuff is a state of mind. Like, (laughs) (laughs) anything can be broken. Just, like, anything can be broken. Like, I feel like um, to glitch shit out in, like, Ableton, you can just literally do anything. You can just, like, intentionally try to break stuff. Like, turn the utility thing on and off, like, a bunch of times just with automation, you know, and it'll make some weird shit, you know? It's like <laughs> yeah, I think uh, glitch music specifically is about breaking things like that, but then trying to have them represented in some sort of musical idea that can make sense to somebody who doesn't know the genre already. Or if you're really trying to flex, try and make it even challenging for the people who have been listening to the genre for a long time and try and make it fresh and new in some way that they haven't heard it being done before, which like somebody like G. Jones is really amazing at. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. But yeah, I, I just like I had a friend a while ago ask me about like how to do glitchy shit and I was like, anything could be glitched. You just yeah, have to literally like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try to turn, break it. Turn your buffer size down to sixty four and or thirty two and just load in a hundred serums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's It'll what's super cool about real quick. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, that's what I love about the the style is like it's super like open to that kind of like creativity you know it's just fun to make too Mm. like yeah these days it's like they've removed a bit of the creativity from it because now there's just plugins that will do that like there's plugins that you can get that will 
emulate what it sounds like to reduce your bitrate to 32, or sorry, your buffer size to 32 and like hit it with 100% CPU spikes. Yeah. Um, whereas back in the day when I first started, you had to manually do that shit. Like you had to just like go like, all right, how am I going to fuck this sound up? And then you'd have to set your buffer to like something crazy and then overload Ableton intentionally to the point of where it's struggling and then <laughs> record that output and then re-import it and stuff. These days, it's like it's just shit that does that for you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the old days were better. You know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's more convenient now. But like with the convenience, yeah, comes this like loss of feeling of ownership, I guess. Because like when I had to figure that out back in the day and do it, I was like, oh man, that's so creative. That's so cool. I feel like I own this idea that I just like came up with, and like this sound is so unique to me now, and all of this shit. And now it's just like, oh, it's like a thirty dollar plugin called Lossy by Gigahertz or whatever the company, Good Hertz or whatever the company is, or like there's yeah. this other plugin called Codec that just does that. Or oh yeah, yeah, those ones. Are I feel sorry. like the sense of ownership that you feel when making music is like one of the things that makes it feel the coolest to do when you're like, oh, I just made that and I feel accomplished. Like, that's the whole reason you make music, the whole reason I make music is to, like, feel fulfilled in that way. Well, obviously other reasons too. Like, now it's my job, so I have to do it for other reasons as well. But a big reason is so I feel fulfilled and I'm like, yeah, I feel really good about this thing I just made. And having tools that make it way easier make it way harder to get that feeling because even if you do it the hard way, you're like, oh, I could have just done it with a plug-in and like <laughs> kind of yeah. re removes a bunch of that sort of feeling, I think. Yeah, yeah, because your like logical mind is like, why am I like spending so much time like making a snare, you know, when I could just use like Dance Diffusion and generate them. But then like there's like a part of you that's like, you know, I like my snares. I want to do it the old-fashioned way. At least that's how I feel like. Yeah, I feel like AI is definitely making it like, adding to that same like you know adding that same kind of issue of like ownership like i kind of thought when i got dance diffusion i just like you know i wasn't sure how much i'd use it you know and i feel like i'm definitely using it but then i also i'm still spending a ton of time just doing mud pies still like just because mm -hmm. that's like enjoyable you know and i feel more like ownership like you said over the sounds you know yeah totally you feel like it's more unique and there's more of you in it or something when really it's probably the exact same amount like from somebody who listens to it from a yeah from their perspective they're like oh it both sounds like a merrick sound whatever <laughs> yeah it's just like some sound I, like that <laughs> i think though that because of that like because that ownership has been removed and because these things are so much easier to do to gain the ownership you have to figure out how to do it in different ways now like for me now it's writing like the only thing that's left is writing like how good a melody i can come up with how how, how good of a structure i can come up, up with like how good i can make this sound that dance diffusion just created sit in a musical context and how interesting can i make that sound like sh sound and can i make that sound shine harder than it did when it was just sitting by itself and all this kind of stuff <clears throat> and i feel like soon that's going to be gone too and then it's going to be well, what can I do with music as a whole when I couple it with uh, professional video work and professional programming and professional whatever the fuck because now I'm a professional at everything because I have AI to just like make me a professional programmer and a professional video editor and a professional 3D modeling artist and a professional fucking whatever, professional yeah. touch designer, programmer, like all this shit all of a sudden everyone's going to be like essentially a professional at all of them. So then it's going to be like, what kind of combination of all of those things can you compile down into some sort of artistic or interesting experience that, you know, one will find interesting. Yeah. I could definitely see that happening. I feel like 
it's pretty cool, honestly. Like like uh, the visual stuff is pretty exciting. Like Mid Journey is like doing amazing things, and like I feel like artists having more control over like their brands, and like also artists like you know maybe if like baking their own plugins because like I could see there being people who are like 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 producer Nasco. Like I think you've talked mm. about him before. That dude's crazy. Like I'm sure if he could like. He might already program, I don't know, but like, you know, he's like a professional programmer. He'd probably be making the most insane plugins, like, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. And also with music, there's a lot of people that have like really good taste, but don't really know how to use the programs or anything like that. And I feel like those kind of people may end up, um, you know, being uh, like them people being enabled to make music who technically otherwise maybe wouldn't have been able to might enable some sort of Rick Rubin types, you know, where like like Rick Rubin, for instance, he just sits in the studio with bands. He doesn't know how to use a mixing desk. He doesn't know what an EQ does. He doesn't know like what a, a chord is. He doesn't know what a scale is. Like he doesn't know, like this is his own words. He doesn't know any of that shit. He just sits in there and goes like, oh, that sounds good. That doesn't sound good. That sounds correct. I think you should do more of this, less of that, like that kind of shit. And, like, pretty soon he's not going to need the band or the engineer, you know. Like, Rick, once once AI gets to a point where Rick Rubin can just be like, I want more of that, less of this, do that more, do that less, he can just produce the music that he's, like, been producing for years with bands without the band there. And, and there's going to be a lot of people, I think, like that. There probably is a lot of people like Rick Rubin out there who have this incredible taste in music and who know what makes a hit and what doesn't but just have no idea how to use ableton or no idea how to use a synthesizer and i feel like the accessibility for those kind of people is going to be interesting too yeah i i 100 agree with that it's like i sometimes have thought like i'm so glad i'm alive right now where i can make music with computers because like if i would have been born hundreds of years ago and i had to like use drums and like a guitar like i just wouldn't have been motivated to like make music you know like i play guitar but like i definitely would not be like writing songs every day you know what i mean so like yeah it's definitely gonna like like raise the tide again you know with like more people having that ability to like yeah just be creative and stuff i think it's like super cool yeah or even just like you know 20 years ago when electronic music to be made required like a pile of gear and you know a bunch of knowledge that was really hard to come by and stuff like that it's like for the people arguing against AI, it's like, do you think electronic music was better then when you needed thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gear and crazy amounts of education that wasn't easy to get or easy to find anywhere and all of this shit? Or do you think it's better now where you can just go and download Ableton from Pirate Bay go or get their 90-day free trial off their website and then go to YouTube and Google Ableton beginner tutorial and just make shit? Like, mm -hmm. I think it's better today. And... I think that like with AI, you're going to see sort of more of that progression. And with it will come some concessions, of course, like uh, people making, say, like little jingles for ads or something like that. Like, sure, some of those are going to just get like created by AI and, you know, some people are going to lose some jobs in the process. But I think it's going to be a net positive. At least I hope it is. I tr I'm trying to be like, you know, I'm trying to look at it positively because if I don't, yeah. then... I'll just be like, oh, fuck everything. I hate it. Like, yeah, yeah. So, I yeah, think no... it'll be a, a net positive thing, personally. Yeah. I feel like it could, like, I don't, it might be like, um, I could see it being like, we have to, like, f redefine what, like, you know, we value as people. Like, maybe, like, it's feeling like kind of like scarcity mindset to be like, oh, like, people have to be, like, working jobs. Like, maybe, like, the robots taking the jobs will be, like, 
free us to do like other things, you know, like focus on like relationships and socializing and like doing the part of the creative stuff that we really enjoy for like this, the, the purpose of enjoyment, you know what I mean? Like, um, but yeah, I could like the, yeah, I agree. Like to have the defeatist mindset of like, Oh, like we're all just going to like, everyone's going to lose their jobs and then everyone's just going to like, just be suffering. You know, I feel like that's hopefully not what's going to be the end result of it. And I don't really see it like going that way. Cause like, it seems pretty cool. Like everything that's come out now has been really sick. I wonder if people had this same mindset during like other revolutions, you know, like for instance, the agricultural one where all of a sudden you didn't have to farm your own food or you didn't have to live like near a farmer who farmed food so you could go get it. It's like factories will just do all of this and you just go to a place and exchange it for money and you can do whatever the wa- whatever you want with the rest of your life so long as you're making money to go exchange it for food at the local place that has it. I wonder if people at that time were like, but what am I going to, like, you're going to take away farming from me? Like, what am I going to do if I can't farm? Like, what am I going to spend my days doing? I've spent my days farming forever. <laughs> like I, and now these days, like thinking about it, having grown up in the society we live in, if you told someone the opposite, like we're going to remove agriculture and you have to go back to farming and you have to spend your whole day farming because otherwise you won't have any food and everyone has to do this for themselves or you have to live near somebody who does a big farm or whatever and then you can get food from them by trading or whatever. I think most people would say, fuck that. Like, I don't want to go back to that situation. That sounds horrible. And I feel like in maybe a hundred years, we might look back at this AI shit and loss of jobs in a similar way um, where we're like, do I want to go back to doing all this shit that's just automated for us uh, or would I prefer to be in this time where a lot of that is taken care of and now I can concentrate my days on like some other thing. It will like redefine the human experience and what it is to live day to day just like other things prior have as well. I also wonder if with AI, if it's just going to like continuously keep getting better and better and better until it's just insane or if we're just on the exponential part of the curve right now. You know, like... uh with say cars like when the car got developed you would be like oh man in like 100 years these things are gonna fly and they're gonna do all sorts of crazy shit they'll probably have wings on them they'll probably like curl up into a little ball and like or a square and you can like (laughs) you press a button and they transform out into the car and then you can drive it but no they didn't do that they like got to a certain point and then we just stopped developing them because they uh, took care of the problem that they were trying to solve and, and while they get a little bit better and we still upgrade them and do things to them they're not getting like much better you know there was an exponential part of the curve where cars got like insanely good over a short period of time and then they kind of like you know topped out and like now then there's not that much of like that technological growth with them anymore and i feel like maybe ai will be the same where we're like maybe just on that exponential part of the curve and then it will just get to a point where we're like, all right, it's doing the job that we needed to do. No need to really like uh, have, have it grow too much more than this. But there's a lot of AI like theorists and shit who are like, oh, it's different to all of that because it can like learn itself. We've taught it how to program. We've taught it about humans. We've let it connect to the internet. Like <laughs> there's a lot of like risks. Yeah. But, I don't know. We won't know, I guess, for a few years. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. I'll... Definitely hope it, like, turns out, like, positively. Like, I know Sam Harris, like, is pretty adamant. I get, uh, he's pretty, uh, like, worried about it, right? Like, um... He worries about literally everything. Yeah, he does. He definitely does. He's kind of a... 
I think he's he a like philosopher, so yeah. Ex- yeah, exactly. But I think with a lot of shit, he goes like a bit too extreme. He's like, this is the worst possible thing that has ever happened to society. And if you don't think that, then you have lost your mind and you're on the far left. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, true. I feel like philosophers kind of have to do that. Like they have to like you know, pick a hill and then die on the hill and, like, follow a train of thinking, like, all the way to the end, like, rigorously, like, you know mm. what I mean? Like, in reality, like, I feel like, and that's why I, it's interesting to do that, like, to, like, pick a way of thinking and to follow it, like, completely, but then I feel like in reality, things are not, like, or things are more, like, fluid, I guess, in that sense, but, um, yeah, to what you are saying about, like, it evolving to a point, yeah, I definitely, like, I could see that and, like, I hear a lot of, like, lofty ideas about it. Like, it's, like, curing diseases and, like, solving crimes and things like that. And just, like, yeah, I, have, I haven't, I have like, seen it, like, really do anything, like, on that scale yet. Not to say that it won't, you know? But just, like, I'd like to see it do some, some stuff like that, like, before we start, like, worrying about it, like, ending humanity or anything like that, you know? Like, I still feel like it's... I mean, the fact that it can hallucinate is really interesting because that, like, kind of shows me that, like it's capable of like coming up with its own ideas even if they're like not right you know but yeah it is like yeah i'd say it's like different than like a car because yeah it can like learn but i don't know even with music i feel like it's not like creating anything like new yet and like chat gpt is like it's just giving you information that like humans have found you know what i mean and then when it's not it's usually wrong you know so like yeah that's true it is very much like based on uh just the stuff that it's been taught which is the exact same as humans right it's like all of we are is like a compiler of everything that we've ever had put into our brains and decided to remember and pass into whatever idea or uh whatever ideology that we want and then out the other end comes who we are you know somebody who makes music versus somebody who wants to go join the military or something like that Mm mm-hmm and yeah, I feel like AI is very similar. It's like you put a bunch of information in, but the difference is you put in all the information in the world and then out the other end comes this like super intelligence where you can be like, tell me about anything and it's just a way better learner than any human ever has been, basically. Yeah, yeah, because it's just like, it's like a calculator, you know, like a calculator is just so much better at math than like we are. It's kind of like that, but for like everything. But yeah, yeah. I feel like... So, um, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if, like, for that reason, it just tops out basically at whatever we can give it. Like, is that the outer limits of it or or can it possibly generate actually new stuff? Because, yeah, you're right, ChatGPT cannot and neither can MidJourney uh, and yeah. neither can Dance Diffusion. I bet if you could, like, teach it the scientific method and, like, you know, be like, this is, like, are the human's best method of, like, learning new things and verifying if these things are accurate. But it has, like, it has those. Because it like, that is written down somewhere on the internet and it's been probably fed some of that, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. It definitely has that already. But I feel like it, it like, like when it hallucinates and it's like totally wrong, you know, like it's definitely not using like uh, that like method or, or like logical reasoning. It's just like giving you an answer like it thinks that it might be sufficient, you know. But I don't know. I just because like I feel like for information to have value, it has to like you know, be grounded in, like, reality and have, like, utility, you know, and if it could just, like, lie to you, you know, like, it's not super useful, and I don't feel like that's, like, intelligent, uh, but, like, yeah, I feel like it, it could get there, because it has, like, 
has these things like the scientific method and it has like can study logic and it can run like millions of tests probably, you know, that it would take humans forever to do in just like an instant. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to have some interesting applications and potentially will fall short in others. But regardless, yeah. um, currently, it's already an extremely useful tool I've found for, for learning new stuff, like just mm -hmm. by asking ChatGPT or if I want like a shitload of different sounds, I can just feed a folder of them to Dance Diffusion and be like, give me a bunch more of these. <clears throat> yeah. But you're right, it doesn't give you anything new. It gives you combinations of the things that you fed it. Do you know how Dance Diffusion works um, by chance? A tiny bit, like by like reducing things to noise, right? And like rebuilding it and like something like that. So it's, totally actually, <laughs> it's actually a fork of stable diffusion and it works the exact same way. It actually in the background just makes an image of the spectrogram that you fed it and then it converts that spectrogram image to audio. Okay. So, so like, it's, it's uh, literally just stable diffusion, but instead of doing it, it doesn't do it with the audio, it still does it with the images and then that image in the background. So like you say you feed it 100 kicks, it takes all those 100 kicks and it converts them all to an image and goes like, this is what this kick looks like on a spectrogram, this is what this kick looks like on a spectrogram and so on and so forth. And then it takes all those images and then just creates a new image that looks similar to all of those ones, the exact same way that Stable Diffusion does with an image. And then it takes that image and puts it through an image to audio synthesizer. Damn, that's that's brilliant and honestly like impressive that it works so well because like for something like bases, you know, I feel like the waveforms just look so, well, it's not the like, it's not the waveform; it's the spectrogram. So basically, uh, the, it's a square. From left to right is time, and from bottom to top is frequency. So, like, let's say you had just a one k tone, the whole thing would be like gray, and then you would just have this like opaque line or this like filled line going across the one k range, and then that, if converted back to audio from that image, would just give you a one k sign tone for however many seconds, like three, I think, is the limit for dance diffusion. And I think that three second limit probably comes from the amount of pixels that the image can be, which I think is like five twelve by five twelve or ten twenty four by ten twenty four or whatever it is. Damn, that's crazy. That's like so brilliant. Whoever thought of that, like, like yeah, like fuck trying to like build the audio. My like... buddy, my <laughs> buddy Zach thought of it. Oh really? A, yeah, yeah. I know this guy. He. He, um, yeah, he's a fucking genius. Yeah, that's that's some uh, galaxy brain move right there. Like being like, let's look at the spectrogram and then like reverse engineer it basically. Yeah, that's that's super sick. And I feel like I'm like surprised it works so well, you know, because I feel like, I mean, I, I obviously don't have like the capabilities of analyzing things like as good as a computer does, but like, you know, kicks can look pretty similar and then sound quite different to me. Like, but I'm, I also don't use like spectrograms like a whole lot. I just use like span and like, uh, size scope, you know, those are kind of like things I'm using for like metering and stuff, but I, yeah. Yeah. You don't get a lot of good information from those. You definitely get a lot more information from one of those XY spectrographs where you can see like the, the color and stuff like that. Do you use those a lot? Like, do you have one like when you're producing, like just watching shit or? Yeah, I use the spectrogram or spectrograph, whatever it's called from Vision 4X. And then I use span as well. And then I use mini meters for um, the waveform readout. So I can just basically see what the rendered wave will look like. And then I also use Swiss Army meter for lofts. And then I use um, 
That's like the main ones that I use, yeah, those ones. Yeah, so basically it. that allows me to see like if there's any difference on the left and right in the waveform readout. Also the waveform readout is different colors based on the frequency. It's like more blue if there's less sub and then it's more red if there's a lot of sub. So it kind of gives you some frequency information too. Span is for more specific like balance stuff, like making sure the overall curve of the track looks all right and making sure my sub is peaking at the right spot and all of that stuff. Obviously Swiss army meters for loudness, like just making sure it's around the right volume because that where that sub is peaking means nothing until you've got it to the level that you want your mix to be. So mm -hmm. I get my, my mix level to about like negative five luffs and then try and make sure that my sub is peaking at around wherever it's supposed to peak at mm -hmm. around that, that amount of luffs, so like negative four or something. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, the, the Vision 4X one, like the spectrograph, that's more for like finding issues. Like if there's a kick and then I can see this like giant red tail or something like hanging off the bottom of it, then I know that there's something wrong with it like there's a bunch of extra sub there or something, or like if there's a click, like a bad click, you'll just see this giant line that just runs like up and down the whole oh. thing. Nice. So stuff like that I kind of use it for. Like if, it, if I'm seeing something crazy like that, I'll be like, what the hell is that? And then I'll like inspect this whole lot and try and find what the, where that issue is coming from. Yeah, that's that's good to know. I'll definitely, I should look into like adding a, a spectrograph to it because I, yeah, I have like, I do mostly similar things, but I don't haven't really like used the spectrograph specifically. Do yeah. you have mini meters? No, I don't. I I use like yeah, Span Scyscope Pro, I think is what it's called. That one's pretty sick. It's for like waveform. Uh, yeah, yeah. You should form. you should get mini meters. It does all of them. It does the uh, what is it? Yeah, I got it open right now. It does. Um, it literally is just like a tiny bar that sits at the top of your screen. And it does spectrogram, spectrometer, spectrum, waveform, oscilloscope, and peak and luffs. So it does everything. Oh, damn. And, That's sick. And it's all in some, like, tiny bar that just runs across the top of your screen. Yeah, that's dope. I'll definitely check it out. Like, yeah, I feel like uh, metering is super important, like, while you're, like, working on tunes. It was, like, I just like seeing, like, different sounds I make, like, what they look like in different... Uh, you know, uh, metering ways, you know, I feel like it's a good way to just kind of like kind of expand your knowledge on like what you like about sounds and what you don't like about sounds, you know, and mix. Yeah, good... I, I agree with you. I think that like a lot of people say like, don't use meters, just use your eyes. But like the reality is us as humans are way more perceptive with our eyes than our ears. Like our ability to see a problem versus hear a problem. It's like 80% like better, like than than it is with your ears you know like there's tons of shit that i can see with no problem like a huge subtail or like a click or something that i'll see instantly and be like oh that's that and like i'll fix that but like i will be working on a mix for hours and not hear that shit yeah yeah totally yeah you just some of the shit we just can't hear is just too high or too low and you just look at it in like an eq even and just like yeah just see the issues yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, speaking of making music, I'm going to get back to doing that. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, dude. It was really nice to chat to you. And um, yeah, super interesting. I'm sure a bunch of people will find this chat interesting as well. So yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, and, um, yeah. thank you too. For Hope those listening, go to belegalbeats.bandcamp.com and check out Merrick's EP called Download Consciousness on Illegal yeah. Beats, which is a label that I've been running for a few years now. If you haven't heard of it already, 
that has a bunch of IDM and glitch music on it because I felt like there was no good labels doing that. So. Hell yeah. Appreciate yeah. it, Bill. All right, man. Cheers. Cheers. Take care. Yo, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. This show is produced and edited by Robert Fumo. You can get early access to the show by going to my website, mrbillstunes.com and paying me instead of Patreon. And remember to go rate and review on iTunes or I'm going to come to your house and punch your dog in the throat, upper deck your toilet and fuck your partner. Note, I may or may not do those last couple of things. Uh, You should probably just go rate it on iTunes or Spotify or whatever it is that you listen to the podcast on because it really helps the podcast. Um, But but just know that, that it'll go a long fucking way to me not doing those things if you do go do that. So uh, just, just putting that out there.